Poetic form can be a tricky thing. On one hand, it's been created for a reason. It sounds great and works. On the other hand, it can be stifling for poets. Personally, I prefer a free verse, spoken word, just get the words out kind of poem to a sonnet or an ode. Yet, there's a poetic form popular in spoken word that absolutely blows me away every time, the palindrome poem. Essentially, it takes the first half of the poem and repeats the lines back in the opposite order. It reads as a palindrome. That's not what today's episode is about, but it's where it begins. Welcome to Poetic Pontification, a podcast for poets to share their work and their story. I'm your host, Melina Kritikopoulos, and this week I sat down with Zoe Dorado, a junior at Castro Valley High School and the Alameda County Youth Poet Laureate. When she began to read her prepared poem, I realized it was a palindrome poem. Can I ask, was that a palindrome poem? Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, I started hearing the sort of the flip <laughs> at the end there. I usually interject the poem with an explanation, but for this episode, I'm deciding to just let her poetry speak for itself. Palindrome poems can't really be cut or interjected into. Let's listen. And this is called In Parallel. Maybe I imagined it before it happened. Through the car ride back home, Homebody who traces the map back to wherever it came from, as in, I left this place, but here I am, in the back seat, on a bunka resting in some ocean on the back of a tongue forgetting itself, an itch that is given to you, because how else to teach the kid you only have one in your mouth? What we spill is the shadow. I don't call him Tata, I just dad. Remember, though, the tension. What's needed to make a taut lineage, a rope to weave through a bloodline thick enough to call itself here, thin enough to apologize and say thank you as in I name myself an undoing, mathematical proof, instinctive like I am getting inside the car to reach something familiar, the humming of a radio from another country remembered only because we keep trying to mimic its movement, how waves can be more than just water. The string accelerated through the air by a hand, not mine. I don't know which country I am referring to. We are both becoming the spectacle stared at. A funhouse, really. A mirror doesn't have to be poetic. I'm only looking out of habit. Dad in the front seat. I am just the passenger. The third object is not the road, not thinking about the time it took us to get here. I am moving through this mythos. The body remembers because we've driven home before. Though sometimes a child pretends to be asleep, I just want to be held. Though the driver does too, I think, as in, I'm sorry, I keep you awake. How else can I get you to not look away? You know how this goes. Because we've driven home before, the body remembers. I am moving through this mythos, not thinking about the time it took us to get here. The third object is not the road. I am just the passenger. Dad in the front seat, I'm only looking at you out of habit. A mirror doesn't have to be poetic, a funhouse. Really, we are both becoming the spectacle stared at. I don't know which country I'm referring to, not mine. The string accelerated through the air by a hand, how waves can be more than just water. Remembered only because we keep trying to mimic its movement, the humming of a radio from another country, and I'm getting inside the car to reach something familiar. Instinctive like, mathematical proof, as in I name myself an undoing, thin enough to apologize and say thank you, but thick enough to call itself here, a rope to weave through a bloodline, what's needed to make a taut lineage, remember though, attention. I don't call him Tatai, just dad. What we spill is the shadow. You only have one in your mouth, because how else to teach the kid the itch that is given to you? 
on the back of a tongue forgetting itself, on a bunka resting in some ocean in the back seat, as in I left this place but here I am, homebody who traces the map back to wherever it came from, there's a car ride back home, maybe you imagined it before it ever happened. Um, so I wrote this poem um, after a conversation with my dad where he tells me why he never learned the Tagalog. One day we were driving and he was telling me about, I guess we were just having like a conversation about language um, and like, like I don't speak the Tagalog. I wish I did and he wishes he did as well, but his parents never taught him that he's like a second generation immigrant. Um, so he was born in Kankakee, Illinois um, with his siblings. Um, and it's funny because like my mom was born in Manila so it's like I'm like a half second generation half third generation immigrant um and that's there's like this sort of divide but like I guess the ultimatum is like I didn't learn how to speak the Tagalog and we were just like talking about that sort of longing um I I performed this poem at an open mic once and there's this other person who said that this is like a language angst poem um and I think yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I guess it's, this this whole poem was basically just me trying to figure out, like, this longing that a lot of people have, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, my family's Vietnamese, mm. and I never learned Vietnamese, and so I definitely kind of have that same idea of just the kind of the language angst longing. I like that term a lot, I've never <laughs> heard that. Language angst, I like yes. it. <laughs> That's really awesome. Zoe is, as I mentioned before, the Youth Poet Laureate of Alameda County, and she's actually the inaugural one. The Alameda County Library System set up a program for students to apply last year, and Zoe was selected. What is it like being 17? Are you 17 yet? I turned 17 on Sunday. Oh my gosh, happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what is it like being an almost 17-year-old and holding the title of a Youth Poet Laureate of an entire county? Um, wow. <laughs> it's... It's an honor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I first got this position, it was a little daunting. Um, you know, especially I'm like the inaugural one. So um, there I was the first one and I don't I didn't know how to. There wasn't anybody, I guess, to like go after. It was sort of like, how do we form this program? Um, so. I guess it was almost like planting the seeds for this program because like obviously there'll be more youth poet laureates in the future. Um, but I think the most, I guess like rewarding thing was just being able to to talk about poetry. Like I was like, given a platform to, you know, visit kids in like middle schools um, to talk about poetry, to share poetry with them. Um, I ran some writing workshops. I think it's just really cool to be able to share poetry with others um, and to really like make poetry accessible. I think like the job of the Youth Poet Laureate is really making poetry accessible and not seeing it as this like quote unquote pretentious thing. Mm -hmm. I think like the way we teach poetry in like the education system is very much like if you don't know how to like analyze this poem, then you're dumb. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and you know, all like and adding on to that, I feel like there's only certain types of poetry we look mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. um like you know i love robert frost but you know it's there's just like so much so many different types mm -hmm. of poetry and like you know i was talking to a friend and it's like oh we're only looking at 
Eng- like English poetry mm-hmm. from like the 19th century yep. <laughs> even though like my English teachers said they were going to look at poetry from across the world yeah. especially like with modern poetry mm-hmm. or I guess contemporary poetry I guess that's the more current name for it um it's just just like being able to like introduce people to more poetry mm-hmm. um and like when in in March when I was in quarantine um I didn't really have like a community mm-hmm of people for like support um, in the midst of being in isolation Um, and then I was able to find that through Youth Speaks through like poetry workshops and through open mics even though they're on Zoom Mm -hmm. but like regardless of like that separation there was something really intimate about um, being in that space and to just find a um, I guess like a, a just a way to write down your thoughts and you know everyone deals with you know varying degrees of like <laughs> trying to figure out their brain mm-hmm. um and i want people to like you know be introduced to poetry because that really like helped me through the pandemic mm-hmm. and just like helps me figure out like like when my when my grandfather passed away or like my mom, you know, she's a nurse and she works at Eden Hospital and there's so many like COVID patients and there's like, they're like understaffed. I guess just trying to like figure out the world around me. And I think if people had, you know, like things like poetry or like different forms of art to just like help them get through the day, um, I think that would be really healing just for them and like their community and like the world. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Poetry. Poetry definitely heals in many, many ways. A common theme I noticed in Zoe's answers was sharing. Sharing of poetry through open mics, through accessibility to younger students. As the Youth Poet Laureate, she speaks at middle schools and creates workshops for students in underserved communities. She seems to want to share, and she seems to want every poet and every type of poem to have the same opportunity to be shared. She read me another poem called For the Missing Ceiling Tiles in Fifth Period History. Imagined an uppercut straight through the ceiling. It was written about the dilapidated classrooms her fifth period history class was moved to during school renovations for COVID protocols. It was a lovely poem on its own, but Zoe said it meant a little more. I was listening to this podcast um, versus um, which they had um, the poet Cynthia Dewey-Oka on it. Um, at the beginning, she she like wrote this like gorgeous book um fire is not a country um and then she said like maybe at some point when i'm done writing like i'll be able to write about blimps (laughs) um and i guess just just sort of thinking about um like there's this not like a pressure but almost a like idea that if you're like a person of color then you have to write you have to like write about being a person of color um and well i think that's so important like i want to be able to write about ceiling tiles mm-hmm. <laughs> just as cynthia duyoko wants mm-hmm. to write about blimps right and it almost feels liberating to not have like this idea that you you have to like write about like one certain thing mm-hmm. right let the girl write about ceiling tiles speaking with zoe really reminded me of the communal aspect of poetry Making and maintaining space for all words to be written and shared freely is important for poets, and all artists work to thrive. I started this podcast by talking about the palindrome poem. 
While we strayed quite far from that initial topic, I think as an homage to the palindrome poem, I'd like to end this podcast the way I began it. Poetic form can be a tricky thing. On one hand, it's been created for a reason. It sounds great and works. On the other hand, it can be stifling for poets. I would argue the same is true of identity, and especially poetic identity. Being part of a marginalized group often comes with a set of expectations, especially in creative spaces, and the fear of straying from this expectation, this poetic form as it were, can be suffocating. So to that I say, let Zoe write about ceiling tiles. Poetry is about making and maintaining space for all words to be written and shared freely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Poetic Pontification. Stay tuned for more poets next time.